0: and welcome to we are history i'm john o'farrell and i'm angela barnes and this week on the most laughable history podcast on the world wide web we are talking about la Bajada conchinos
1: not bad john not bad <laughs>
0: you gave me i like the way you gave me the i know
1: i thought spanish i put the spanish bit yeah. in the intro for john to do lovely I didn't learn Spanish. I only learned German and French, so... The
0: only Spanish I learned is teaching my daughter GCSE Spanish. We went on holiday to Spain and they left me to do all the ordering. They, <laughs> they'd learnt Spanish at school and I said, <laughs> dos cerveza, two beers, uh, un café con leche... You bought two beers leche. for your
1: children? <laughs> yeah, no, this is for
0: me and Jackie. Café con leche... Una Coca-Cola. And they're were, they were all going, oh, una Coca-Cola. <laughs> they, were just, they were taking the piss out of me saying Coca-Cola in a Spanish accent. It's like, oi, you lot did Spanish at school. You should be ordering. Anyway, La Bahia de Conchi, Conchi, Cochinos is the Bay of Pigs. Yes. We are heading to Cuba.
1: We are. Have you been to Cuba, John? I've
0: been to Bar Cuba in West London. <laughs> I've been to no. Cuba. Oh, I'm jealous. I'd love to go to Cuba. I Is went it? to
1: Cuba 10 years ago, 2011. Me and my friend Dave went to Cuba. And I, it was the, I loved Havana. Completely yeah. fell in love with Havana. We spent time in Havana and then we went down to this sort of all-inclusive resort um, called, oh, God, Veradaro, I think it was called, something like that. Anyway, yeah. and uh, where I got the worst food poisoning I've ever had in my life oh. to the point where I remember at one point just lying on the floor of my hotel bathroom just thinking, how's my mum going to get my body home? <laughs> That's how bad it right. was. Like, I really thought, oh, God, she's going to have to try and negotiate with cuban authorities to get my body home.
0: that food poisoning was the fault of the americans i just want it to
1: say. was just blame the americans so um so yes i i've I... been to cuba
0: but this is an episode about lots of people trying to get to cuba and uh, yes. uh having a mixed experience let let's say so um well, you could when say a... that yes so, so so angela you're leading on this one with your I love am. of cold war Drama. My love
1: of Cold War drama. And there's this is quite a lot of Cold War drama in this episode. Um, so before we sort of get into the meat of it, I should yep. say the Bay of Pigs invasion was a huge covert military intelligence operation. And like any of these, they involve a lot of moving parts. Right, There's lots of people in charge of different departments who all get involved in different ways and lots of different things in an operation like this are on a need-to-know basis. So it's really... Impossible to really know who knew what and when at the time. That's the job of a historian. It is. And the and thing is, John, you and I are not we're historians. We're we just must remember nerds. this. We're just, we're just history nerds. nerds. That's someone else's job. So I read a book um, called The Bay of Pigs, which was by Howard Jones. I'd um, like get to know you well. Do you know, Johnny also did a song called Things Could Only Get Better. I yeah. wrote a book yeah. called Things Could Only you Get did Better. did, that? no, I know. But I ripped off it.
0: my title from a different song, song. to the Howard yeah. Jones song. Let's just be yeah. clear here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did rip it off from a song, just not <laughs> that not one. But not that one, right? <laughs> yeah, all right. So Howard Jones, shut your trap. So... um, I do recommend the book. The book's really good, but it is a very detailed analysis of what happened, or way more detail than we've got time for today, John. Oh, oh, we'll, see. we'll
0: see, Angela, are, two yes, hours I mean, later. This is an Angela
1: Barnes classic <laughs> we've got coming up. The problem is because, it, I mean, it is a really interesting story, and it, mm-hmm. but there, there's so many things. It's like any of these things that end up, spoiler alert, slightly disastrous. There's sort of a sequence of events that had to happen to make it so bad yeah. you know and if you sort of miss out a part it doesn't make sense anyway you'll see um i also read a book uh, that i've got called cuba a history right oh, I which i, I thought oh i'll have a little look at well the thing is it this is a book i bought in cuba oh
0: no it's um, not that one i read so
1: i tell you what john is ever such a little bit on the biased side Um <laughs> you saying um, you say they I bought... don't have a free
0: press in this just communist saying country.
1: john that if you buy a history book about cuba in cuba it's a little one-sided.
0: I read a couple of uh, modern histories of Cuba I've sitting in the library and I haven't got them with me, so I can't tell you who wrote them, which is a bit shameful, oh, but not um, a it's a well-documented episode in history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, how far are you taking us back? Cuba was but, formed when two tectonic plates merged in the John, Atlantic. So take the piss. All right, move forward a bit.
1: The okay. Arawak
0: <laughs> Indians were displaced by the Caribs.
1: <laughs> so tell us about Cuba. So Cuba, uh, the Republic of Cuba, do you mind? Mm-hmm. Um, is a country comprising the island of Cuba and a few archipelagos. And it's located in the northern Caribbean, where the Caribbean Sea, the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic Ocean meet. And blimey, the you northern, really are doing this. The, the <laughs> northern tip of Cuba. This is the important bit, John. Yeah. The northern tip of Cuba is about 103 miles from the southern tip of Florida. So it's very, very close to the United States.
0: Yes, of course, historically it's- a colony of Spain. Yep. Uh, until the Spanish-American War of 1898, which is actually a, a very interesting war, and I, one I'd like to maybe do one day. And then, of course, Cuba was occupied by the United States. That's when they got Guantanamo Bay, actually. That's where they sort of, ever yes. since then, they've had that. Games' nominal independence Um Uh, as a United States protectorate, I think in nineteen oh two.
1: Yeah, and it's actually nineteen oh three America got Guantanamo as a little aside. And did you know another little aside about Guantanamo? So Guantanamo is a region in the south of Cuba that is sort of it it's attached to Cuba, but it's sort of cut off because it's surrounded by mountains. So I see um it's sort of cut off from the rest of Cuba. And the Americans have a naval base there and obviously a Massive prison camp. Interestingly, since the revolution in 1959, which we'll come up against, Cuba has only ever cashed one single payment from the US for Guantanamo. So they lease lease it. it. Oh, I see. It's leased. But Cuba, because they claim it's an illegal occupation. Right. um, Because it was obtained through force and violence and threat. So they say it's a violation of international law. Anyway, you see, you're making me digress now, John. Oh, God. It'll be your fault. This is a long one. In 1940, Cuba tries to strengthen its democratic system a little bit. Yep. Um, but there's a mounting political radicalization and social strife culminates in a coup and the subsequent dictatorship under Fulgencio Batista, ah, Batista in I've 1952. Heard of him. So he'd previously been president in 1940 till so 1944. Um, then he exiled himself to the US for a bit. And when he came back... Um, In 1952, led a military coup three months before the democratic elections were due to be held, ousted the president, Carlos Prio Socalas. I'm sorry for my pronunciation. This is great. Canceled the elections and took control of the government, implementing what he called, John, a inverted commas, disciplined democracy. Uh, sounds so a sounds little dodgy. bit Dictatory So that's
0: because of his dictatorship of course there you know there was uh, risings up against him yep. hostility to his um uh, how much he leased to the uh, Americans the Americans owned and ran about 60% of the corporations and land on the island Yep. Uh, not to mention letting the Mafia do pretty much what they like. There's a whole plot strand in Godfather 2 about mm-hmm. uh, that which takes place in during the Revolution and Batista and all that.
1: Hotel Nacional. Hotel Nacional was one of my favourite places in Havana. So it's this massive, beautiful, very sort of art deco-y hotel. Yeah. And it's my favourite place for two reasons. What well, You can get a tour of it. So we didn't stay there because it was too expensive to stay there, but we went on a tour. And they show you round, and then they've got this one room that just has a paintings of all the famous people that have stayed there, and obviously Sinatra stayed there, and yeah. lots of it. But then on this wall is a little little painting of Ken Livingstone. <laughs> we- <laughs> <It's> so many minute, it is been, it's Ken Livingston. and um, they've also got a nuclear bunker out the back, which we had oh, to. So I, you had to go yeah, to that. Yeah, big yeah. fan of Hotel Nacional.
0: Yeah, the most famous anti group was the Twenty Sixth of July Movement.
1: When was that founded, John? I'm not sure, actually. They
0: were, <laughs> I'll have to look that up. But that was founded by Fidel Castro, along with his brother, Raul. And, of yep. course, Che Guevara, the face of the Oh, we've all had his posters
1: on our wall in I the university.
0: If, I wonder if Castro had a poster of Che Guevara on his wall. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it's He's like, go, come back for coffee. Well. Oh, this is going
0: to be embarrassing.
1: When I first moved back to Brighton 10, 15 years ago, I rented a room for three months in this shared house. And the room I rented, were, the guy had gone to work abroad for three months. So I was just renting his room. His name was Dan, this guy. And so there was a plate on the bedroom door that just said, Dan on it okay. right long story short I started seeing someone called Dan a different Dan and of course when I first brought him home I completely forgot that my bedroom <laughs> said Dan on it and I brought him back and he just looked at it and looked at me and I made it worse by going I've been expecting you
0: <laughs> oh, <no>. anyway <laughs> Sorry, tell like, us right? about the yes. revolution of yes. Castro 1956 so, I believe
1: 19. 19- 56, it began indeed. The Castro brothers and Che Guevara uh, had this group based on a clandestine cell system. Yeah. Sounds like a scientific description of an amoeba, but it's actually a way of conducting guerrilla warfare. They had these cells of 10 people, each not really knowing what the other's doing. Yeah. But from his base camp in the Sierra Maestra Mountains, Castro starts leading this revolution. From 1956, they recruit the people into an uprising and they finally defeat Batista's armies. On 31st of December, 1958, Batista resigns and retreats into exile. Castro chooses the lawyer, Manuel Uritia Leo, I'm yep. sorry, um, to be president while he and other members of the July the 26th movement take positions in the cabinet. So he was the prime minister, immediately, John, dismisses the need for elections. We've been here before, haven't we? Dismisses the need for elections, says, we've taken over from the dictatorship to build a democracy in which we don't need elections, John. Yeah. Because our new administration is an example of direct democracy, So he said that if the Cuban populace have a problem, what they do, instead of showing it at the polls, they assemble on mass, John, and demonstrate and express their will democratically to him personally.
0: Yeah, it wasn't, of course, a smooth ride, was it? The US were not happy about this. This is the middle of the Cold War. The world is split into spheres of influence and Mm. the Americas are very much the united states sphere of influence uh, there's no um, there's all sorts of fascist regimes being propped up all across south america and the cia is making sure that it has uh, control of the whole continent so for suddenly this socialist revolution to happen on its doorstep does mm. not make the americans very happy is that fair
1: that's fair yeah i mean it's us also has a lot of financial interests in yeah. cuba they've got oil sugar plantations which they're keen to protect so it's not just about defending against communism or potential communism because it's not a communist state at this point. There isn't...
0: Right. And the Americans, they use they use oil and eat sugar, do they, the Americans?
1: Apparently. I... Apparently they do, John. <laughs> sort of drive yeah. big cars Funny that, isn't it? eat a lot
0: of sugar. One of the things about Cuba now is because of what happened, uh, that yeah. the, 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 the subsequent um, trade embargo, is that all the cars in Cuba now are still 1950s American sort of big cars.
1: All the private houses in Cuba all have... Like a workshop attached to them because yeah. they can't. Well, it's changed slightly now, and it was starting to change when I went there ten years ago. But because there was no, you know, they weren't able to import cars, they just had to keep these nineteen fifties cars going. And I mean, they look amazing. You sit on the um, the yeah. wall in Havana, on the Malecon in Havana, and just watch these cars. These you know, old bike, but they're all accent. held together with gaffer tape and a prayer. <laughs> Fantastic. It's all these decayed. Art Deco buildings. Amazing. It does look incredible, but it's also a sign of, you know, yeah. really impoverished country. Am I right
0: in thinking that initially the United States recognised Castro's government yeah. until he legalised communism?
1: Their first concern was for the oil and sugar and then Castro legalizes communism and as we know... US not keen on that ideology, especially not in their neighbours. Because what's happening, as you said, colonialism is breaking down across the world, right? So suddenly you've got all these countries, particularly in Africa, South and Central America, Southeast Asia. Yeah. And it's leaving a lot of new governments, these new young governments are coming up with the potential to align themselves to one of the two superpowers. Like you said, you've got the US and Russia and most of these new governments align themselves with one or the other. And so to begin with... It seemed Castro didn't particularly want to be a Soviet puppet, although it was a socialist revolution. They weren't buying yeah. into Soviet communism as such, and the Soviets initially needed Cuba more than Cuba needed them, really, because they saw it as a place to put their long-range missiles in in the Ooh. Western Hemisphere. You That's know, not it was go well. That's a hundred miles from Florida. You yeah. know, you put a couple of ICBMs there, and they're laughing. You yeah. know, but what Castro does is he he wants American influence out of Cuba, right? That's his biggest goal. I think he'd
0: launched the revolution on the slogan, Cuba, see, Yankee, no. What's no, it? What's no, no in Spanish? No, yeah,
1: <laughs> Yeah. Sp- no. I like how you try to no? say no in a Spanish accent. I'm going to try that again. It's Coca-Cola Yankee all sea. over again. <laughs> Coca-Cola. <laughs>
0: Yankee, see. No, hang on. Cuba, see, Yankee, <laughs> no. I don't know what no is in Spanish. Oh, no, no, That's terrible. Calor-
1: uh- sacar, catch, catch, catch.
0: So then he began this whole sort of nationalization program and he was nationalizing property owned by United States citizens totaling one and a half billion, I think it was. Yeah. He wanted the country's oil refineries, you know, which were controlled by U.S. corporations, SO, Standard Oil, Shell. He wanted them to process crude oil purchased from the Soviet Union. But the companies yep. were under pressure from uh, the U.S. government and they refused. So he nationalized them.
1: Yep. So to retaliate what does America do John America bans sugar imports oh from Cuba dear. Now a huge chunk of Cuba's GDP at this point is from exporting sugar to the US because yes. the America likes a bit of sugar At this point Castro nationalizes the sugar plantations and the banks and just about everything else and so they basically push Castro into Khrushchev's arms, into the Soviets' arms, because the Soviets go, we'll buy you sugar.
0: Yeah. This whole episode is really an exercise in pushing Cuba closer to the Russian... Uh, sphere isn't it really
1: absolutely you know everything the americans do at this stage well, after the revolution just pushes yeah. them into the arms of khrushchev so the u.s was superficially was trying to repair their relations with cuba they held talks castro did a tour of america they were trying to salvage the economic relations because they were making so much money so castro did a
0: tour of america
1: yeah he did yeah with a band <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> 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 hello <laughs> New York no but they were also trying to persuade him to to limit ties with with the yeah. Soviets yeah. obviously
0: So we get to 1960. Eisenhower is at the end of his term as president. He's obsessed with the domino effect, the domino theory of communism, where one country Mm. goes and then the next country goes. Mm. But a very boring game to have chosen, I think, really. I think the Kaplunk theory would have been better.
1: (laughs) Uh, The buckaroo. (laughs) They all fall to communism at once.
0: Eisenhower's uh, vice president is Nixon, of course. No good podcast about him, Angela. Yes, we do. Their administration, want to get rid of Castro, obviously, but how to do it.
1: Right. Well, this is the thing, John, because the key phrase in all of this that is going to keep coming up is plausible deniability.
0: That sounds like not being honest is what I was covering
1: your tracks, John, because the US legally can't just wade in and invade a sovereign state without provocation or certainly not without provocation that is sort of sanctioned by the UN and and, and international law. So just because they don't like the leader and, you know, they're not happy economically, those party poopers at the UN won't let them invade. Mm. So... Any covert action to get rid of Castro's regime or to, to topple the regime yeah. has to be done in such a way that links to the United States can be hidden. Mm. So especially any evidence that the president himself might be aware of what's going on.
0: Yeah, you know, we're in a time of Cold War. You don't want to trigger mm. World War Three by no. uh, invading Cuba. And they're saying, OK, well, we'll invade West Berlin or whatever. So exactly. they've got to appear... To be peace-loving America.
1: Absolutely. We're at the start, you know, we're in a nuclear yeah. age now. And yeah. if you start an act of war, particularly at this point, you know, th- that yeah. could be the big one. So you, they've got to tread carefully. Um, so you've got the CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, headed by Alan Dulles. Um, who we've met before in a podcast. I think we met him in the um, Suez Crisis podcast. Yeah, well, John Foster was
0: his brother, wasn't
1: he? Yeah, John Foster Dulles was the Secretary of State, was his brother. Now, Alan Dulles has a bit of previous when it comes to getting your preferred candidates into a government. So, for example, in Guatemala, 1954, the CIA armed, funded and trained the force of 480 Guatemalans to overthrow the democratically elected president who was Arbenz, uh, because he started to institute land reforms, right, which distributed property to landless peasants. And they thought that felt, John, I don't know, a little bit communist. I mean, it's like political crazy, mad. And the reason reason that the CIA sort of intervened, John, was because of the fear of communism and definitely, definitely wasn't because... Our Benz had ended exploitative practices at the United Fruit Company, a company that Alan Dulles and his brother, Secretary of State John Foster Dulles, had links to. That wasn't it, John. No,
0: no, nothing that to wasn't do with it. their it association about, with the United Fruit Company.
1: Yeah, nothing to do with that, John. It was all about communism, Honest Gov. So they'd already helped to place a government in Guatemala that they were happy with. right? But, and, and also Iran and Many other well, all places. over the world. I mean, yeah, all, all over us. the but, world.
0: But particularly in the Americas, you know, uh, yeah. the CIA would intervene to make sure that uh, their preferred government stayed in power. Yeah. In March 1960, the CIA come up with this plan to overthrow Castro's administration. Yeah. Uh, they put it to the uh, United States National Security Council, where Eisenhower gives his support to this uh, catchily titled program of covert action against the Castro regime. Yeah. It's not, not really. It could have done better than that. It could have been called Operation Cigar Bomb or something. Couldn't yeah, it? But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but as you say, you couldn't just uh, couldn't just invade Cuba. That would be a legal act of war. Yeah. So the plan of this stage just consists of like recruiting and training Cuban dissidents and exiles. There are genuine dissidents, people who've been working for the Batista regime or people who've lost land or whatever. They're all living in Florida and they're training them in guerrilla tactics so they can potentially mount maybe perhaps an insurrection and overthrow the Castro government. Maybe you might want to do that. Um, just as soon as the US sort of decides who they do want in Castro's place. That's
1: it, because they need to decide before they can topple Castro, they need to make sure they've got someone in place to replace him with that they're happy with. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, another strand to this story, and it's one we won't go into a lot of detail about because I think it's a whole other podcast maybe one day, but the CIA sort of in tandem with these plans has a plan to assassinate Castro. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. it's a plan that Eisenhower was aware of, but of course the word assassination... Was never used, uh, plausible deniability, John. Yes. So they'd use euphemistic terms like executive action. Okay. And in August 1960, actual members of the Chicago Mafia were recruited by the CIA to carry out assassination plots. So wow. they got in with they got the mafia on board. And wow. essentially in return the mafia if they managed to assassinate Castro would be given a monopoly on all the vice activities in wow. Chicago. Linus. Methods that they suggested using to assassinate Castro included poison pills an exploding seashell and a planned gift of a diving suit contaminated with toxins.
0: Wow. Exploding cigar was one as well. That was the. Exploding cigar, cigar, there were loads poisonous of poisonous um, pen This comes out much later, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it doesn't come out. There was the Church Committee in 1975, which was set up to investigate these CIA abuses, (laughs) of which there were many. Um, And they released a report called Alleged Assassination Plots Involving Foreign Leaders in, in 75. So that's when it all came out. But in 1960, back in 1960, Eisenhower directs the CIA to begin preparations for invading Cuba and to overthrow the Castro regime. So they're upping it a notch at this point.
0: So, so there's a CIA agent charged with overseeing these plans. It's uh, Richard Bissell. That's uh, right. Named after the uh, carpet sweeper. That's um,
1: right. A, <laughs> oh, it is, isn't it? A Bissell carpet sweeper. My <laughs> takes me back to it. student
0: days, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, he, he assembled some agents to help him in this plot, uh, many of whom had worked on the Guatemalan coup six years before. Yep. And during this time in 1960, Radio Swan began broadcasting on Swan Island near Cuba. Break Castro's <laughs> arm, Swan. <laughs> that
1: uh, was they, another uh, one of their methods of assassination. It was, yeah, break, get Death Swan to Swan. break his arm.
0: <laughs> and they were disseminating anti-Castro propaganda.
1: They're setting the ground for, you know, anti-Castro sentiment in, in Cuba. They start spreading propaganda and stuff and the CIA begins to gather and train these Cuban exiles in Florida um although they quickly they quickly realize that they have to move from Florida because plausible deniability yeah. John you can't be training guerrillas on US soil that's um, obvious yeah so they move the operations from Florida to Guatemala um yeah so
0: I think it's probably a, a closer climate as well yeah
1: exactly so the exiles themselves of course are told um, not that oh we're the CIA and Eisenhower is is funding this. They're they're not told that. Right. They're told that the guerrilla training operations that they're undergoing are all funded by a wealthy private donor. Okay. Yeah. They're not that stupid. <laughs> like, right. The Cuban dissidents that are being trained they openly refer to their secret wealthy donor as Uncle Sam. <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> okay. And they're chat you know That's they're awesome. in Guatemala openly talking about this. So even the Guatemalan press start printing yeah. stories about. How the CIA are training Cuban recruits in Guatemala? Yeah,
0: so it's obvious. I mean, the fact that loads of Cubans are being recruited in Miami, you know, there's also people telling Che Guevara in in Miami, you know, there's loads, loads of yeah. he gets to hear about this operation being developed. So it's, it's not it's not a great yeah. uh, it's great a mystery.
1: badly kept secret. I think is the um, yeah.
0: So they named the brigade the 2,506 Brigade, the 2,506
1: Brigade. 2,506
0: Brigade, brigade yeah. The, yes. Uh, that's <laughs> named after the serial number of one of their comrades. Do you know what he was called, Angela? He was died?
1: called, John, Carlos Rafael Santana. Not down, that one. Down, 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 down.
0: <laughs> yes, Carlos Santana. Tragically, I shouldn't laugh because this guy died. Yeah. They named it because they started their serial numbers of the, of the troops not at one, um, no, because they say it's like uh, they start with two thousand five hundred. So if they're captured, it looks like oh they've got a big army. Look, they've got Much mm. about at least two thousand five hundred because look at the serial numbers. Yeah. It's like when uh, the internet started, and it, you'd, you'd have uh, visits the the website. You always like started it on ten thousand, so you'd, like you'd had lots of clicks. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's right. You know, some internet sites just had visitors six. You know, a yeah. bit <laughs> <It's a bit laughs> tragic. Um, so he died. This guy Carlos Santana died before you know going off and making those brilliant albums, Um slipping into a ravine. So they they uh, they had some air crews who were uh, trained by uh, personnel from the Alabama Air National Guard, and they yeah. had these uh, American planes, B 26s about uh, two dozen of them, obtained from the U S military stocks, and they were. Uh, how can we put this? Sanitised to obscure their origins, I. They painted them up to try and disguise them to look like a uh, 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 Castro's air force or you know, Batista's right. air force. So quick paint jobs. Anyone speak Spanish? What should we put on the side of this aeroplano comunista? John, uh... they were
1: Cuban. They could speak <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> the blokes ever seen them? Like... <laughs>
0: What I'm saying was it was a bit of a bit of an obvious paint job. It was like, oh, let's pretend. Well, we'll, let's we'll, pretend
1: yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, <laughs> okay. they sort of moved the guns on these planes and things to where the, they were on Castro's planes and tried to make them look as Cuban as possible. And then to create a, a navy, yeah. um, because they were they were planning an amphibious invasion. So to create the Navy, the CIA purchases these five cargo ships, right? And they purchased them from a Cuban-owned Miami-based company. So that gives them plausible deniability because okay. they're not U.S. ships. Um, the first four of the five ships, the Atlantico, the Caribe, the Houston and the Rio Escondido, uh, were enough to carry supplies and weapons to last 30 days, while the Lake Charles had 15 days of supplies and was intended to land the provisional government so the first four ships would come with the invading troops and then the last lake charles would come with the chosen government to right. land yeah. them in cuba about this provisional
0: um, government guys you might be getting ahead of yourself there is all i'm going to say without <laughs> why you wanting to spoil what wow. happens in cuba
1: <laughs> yeah that's what one step at a time americans come on so the ships were loaded and they were sailed to nicaragua to right. wait the invasion force also had these two landing craft infantry ships, yeah. the Blagar and the Barbara J. Oh. Barbara J. doesn't sound American, does it at no. all? No. Um, they're these two old World War Two ships, and they were part of the CIA's ghost ship fleet, and they served as the command ships for the invasion. So
0: by October 1960, I mean they'd ha- they'd had guerrilla infiltrations and supply drops mm-hmm. directed by the CIA into Cuba before they'd failed. So you know this was like going up a notch. You yeah, know, the hope was. that's uh, that's pretty much all it was because there wasn't a whole lot of intelligence to support it, that they would ignite a larger insurrection on the island and eventually. The people would all take up arms against Castro's and Shea and overthrow them. So this whole project was based on the assumption that all the Cubans didn't like free healthcare and literacy programs (laughs) and, um, you know, uh, overthrowing the corrupt American-backed dictatorship. That was their hope.
1: Exactly, that they would land and the people go, oh, this seems like a good idea and would all rise up. Uh, But Castro has a pretty sizable army, plus a lot of militia, a lot of sort of reservists, you know, a lot of civilians trained to fight. So it's all a big gamble, this, because if Cuba doesn't rise up, if they they don't rise up against Castro, the mission's a fail, right? Mm, Now, I don't know about you, John, have you got any alarm bells ringing yet?
0: (laughs) I want to see which way this is going, Angela.
1: I think we should have a little break from this, because what I like to do, John, in true Barnsey style, is take a break... Before the invasion we're talking about even begins. Okay,
0: we'll take a break. Don't go away. Um, Have a word from our sponsors, which we still have under this capitalist system, which we're going to overthrow. Welcome back to We Are History. We're talking about the Bay of Pigs invasion in 1961. Something else has been going on in 1960, of course, and that was the American presidential election. The candidates uh, were Nixon, of course, who'd been the vice president under uh, Eisenhower and a young fellow by the name of John Fitzgerald Kennedy.
1: Yeah. Now, Kennedy's running a pretty conservative and pretty anti-communist Platform, yeah, and he's he's accusing the Eisenhower administration throughout his campaign of being soft on Castro, right? Which yeah. must have been really annoying for Nixon as VP because Nixon yeah. would have known about these plans they have to overthrow Castro, but he can't say anything.
0: Yeah. So sit there in the so, debates. He's going, "You why haven't you done anything about Castro? And Nixon goes, oh, I want to say it. I want so to say it. We've got I this, this, we've got this it, massive plan. We're training yeah. up these guys. But he can't say anything. Loses the election. And of course,
1: their, their, their debate was the first presidential debate. So...
0: Yeah. Well, first, first televised ones, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, spoiler alert: JFK wins the election. He wins the electoral college, but his lead in the popular vote is tiny. Um, yeah. It's about hundred thousand votes, I think, just zero point one seven, uh, the uh, smallest margin of the twentieth century. I'm not sure if we count the two thousand election in that or not. Um, mm-hmm. But he's elected in November nineteen sixty. He's also he's not inaugurated, of course, under the American system until twentieth of January nineteen sixty one. Eisenhower uh, in November and January briefed him a bit on the CIA's invasion plans uh, that he'd inherit, but he received a full briefing once he was president on uh, 28th of January 1961. It's like, bang, on his desk. What about this for an idea?
1: Yeah. You reckon you want to be tough on Cuba? Here you go. Have a a load of this. It's in your (laughs) intro now, mate. Yeah. So um, the plan he was briefed on was called Operation Pluto. Named after the Disney dog. Absolutely. (laughs) And it involved landing in Trinidad. Trinidad? Uh, Not that one, John. Not that one, John. The one in Cuba. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Now, Trinidad was close to the Escambra Mountains. Right. And in the Escambra Mountains, at this time, there is a rebellion of anti-Castro guerrillas already grouped there. Okay. Guerrillas, John, not gorillas. Uh,
0: okay, I'm Not mountain confusing. gorillas. So there's a load of gorillas um, in Trinidad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <And> Carlos Santana's <laughs> playing. She's not
1: there. <laughs> and Howard Jones has yeah. written a book about it. The idea of landing in Trinidad is it's really easy to get to the Escambray Mountains, so it provided an escape plan. So if okay. the invasion went wrong, the brigadier brigadiers, the brigade could... Yeah. Flee into the mountains, join the other right, rebels, regroup, plan their next steps. So JFK approves this plan. I approve um, this
0: plan. As he said that's what better. he
1: said. But the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So the Joint Chiefs of Chiefs of Staff are all the um, sort of top military personnel in the states. Remember, John, this isn't a military planned invasion. This is a CIA yes planned invasion, There's right? The
0: army, yeah. So
1: the military guys who have the experience of this sort of thing don't have any say in it, really. They, they get briefed and they get told what's going to happen. Um, and they felt that, you know, these 800 personnel, which at this point they were planning to land at Trinidad, weren't enough, and that the risk of exposing the US involvement was too high. Okay. Causeable well, deniability, John. Okay. So they made, the Joint Chiefs of Staff made a three-day visit to Guatemala, and they concluded that the odds were about 85 to 15% against achieving a surprise assault. Okay. So I think that's good. a bit
0: optimistic from I think I think it's like 100% not going to be a surprise. Is it?
1: Yeah, I mean hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because these preparations were well publicized that they're going on in Guatemala and now in Nicaragua as well as yeah. the naval fleets arrived there. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're nervous, but it's happening now.
0: Yeah, wheels were in motion. JFK couldn't delay because Cuba's about to get a load of uh, MiG fighter planes from the Soviets. Mm-hmm. Pilots being trained by the Czech Air Force. So any delay could mean that uh, only a US Air Force could go face to face with Castro's Air Force instead of these you know, quickly, hastily painted
1: planes that they've Yeah, because if, if these MiGs arrive before they invade, they're screwed. Yeah, right? These yeah. 20 uh, MiG fighter jets and, and these Czech trained pilots come in with them, they're so, screwed.
0: So JFK is nervous, isn't he?
1: He's nervous about Trinidad. He's also nervous because there wasn't a big enough landing strip in Trinidad. Right. So that means it would be really hard to disguise that the air attacks weren't coming from Cuba. Because okay. they need it to look like these airstrikes are coming from within Cuba. Like it's a right?
0: rebellion. Like it's a rebellion. Because yeah, Because yeah. that's the
1: idea. Yeah. So... If they start the rebellion somewhere where there isn't a landing strip big enough, that's going to yeah. look a bit dodgy. Yeah,
0: I think um, it's past. I think it's past that point. If I'm honest, Angela.
1: Well, I think what happens here, what we see here, is a lot of well, there's a lot of um, analysis has happened of what happens, and and this sort of this groupthink idea that seems to happen. Yeah, everyone's just trying to please each other. Yeah, and not really looking at what is going to happen in the real world. Is this going to work? The CIA don't want to upset the president. The joints of chiefs of staff don't want to upset the CIA or the president. And they're all going, oh, I'm a bit worried about this, but no one's really stopping it. Right. (laughs) So Bissell, the CIA uh, director of the plan, he proposes a new landing site at the Bay of Pigs. Now, the Bay of Pigs is chosen because there's two airstrips there that they can commandeer and make it look like the airstrikes are coming from within. Um what it ignores, John, yes. this new plan is that there isn't really an escape to the mountains from the Bay of Pigs oh, because no. the Bay of Pigs area where they intended to land is surrounded by vast swamplands, John. And oh, these swamplands are filled with alligators and crocodiles. And I don't know if you can see a problem with that. Well, um, I, what I
0: would have done, Angela, is I'd wait for the crocs to line up like in that James <laughs> Bond film and then run across <laughs> them. Then, like yeah. A,
1: a footpath. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because remember, it's not just a case of just landing on on Cuban soil. They've then got to get an insurrection going. So they've got to get inland. They've got to get across these swamps. And Esteline, Jacob Esteline, who was the CIA project director, his quote about this was, how can such a land inspire insurrection? Nobody was there except alligators and ducks. Right. <laughs> so So um, after some to and fro the Bay of Pigs finally is decided to be the landing site. Uh, they decide... To reframe the problem of the swamps as a positive, because they're going to provide cover for the rebels. John, it's okay. fine because Castro's forces won't be able to get them. Be fine. And Operation Zabata replaces Operation Pluto.
0: Okay, that's a weird renaming, but never mind. JFK was also adamant that rather than do it as a, uh, as a dawn raid, the raid should take place under cover of darkness. Yeah. Um, so that the US ships carrying supplies are back in international waters by daybreak. These uh, rebels, they're all like st- you know, recruited students from, from the... Um, oh yeah, they're yeah. doctors,
1: farmers, students.
0: Yeah. Students don't all be up at dawn. That's like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's so no good.
0: At least at the middle of the night, they go, well, they'll probably just party and keep going. So the plan that they'd been working on for months you know it was going to be uh, uh near the mountains it was going to be in the morning it was going to be a certain number of troops it's all got changed by yeah. by the exact and, and I'm really
1: cl- like something like 9 days out uh, yeah, like really yeah. close to yeah. to d- and and like we say they can't postpone the operation because of yeah. um, castro about to receive these mig fighter jets right yeah, so yeah. they've got to do it now or never. so d day set 17th of april 1961 is going to be the day that the invasion fleet come in at the amphibious landing Happens Now, an important part of the plan is that two days before D-Day, the Brigade's Air Force, right, are going to um, send 16 bombers to attack Castro's airfields. So before the landing happens, send the bombers in, these ones that have been painted to look like indigenous craft, send them in, attack the airfields, destroy his air capability. And then on D-Day, they'll carry out more bombing strikes just to make sure. And... The uh, air force will provide air cover for the landing with fighter jets, right? Okay. Thought of everything, so the brigades that are in the naval vessels they sail to Happy Valley in Nicaragua, oh, which nice. is where they're going to launch the invasion from. Meanwhile, in Cuba, thanks to the CIA training of Cuban dissidents being one of the worst kept secrets ever, yes, they're pretty sure an invasion's coming, right? Yep. And the Soviets, by now, they've supplied them with tanks and other weapons. They have an air force, not a huge one, but they've got several bombers and fighters already, all left over from Batista's government. Che Guevara, particularly, is sure of a coming invasion. So he starts imploring civilians in Cuba to take up arms, right? Yeah. Because all of the Cuban people must become a guerrilla army. Each and every Cuban must learn to handle, and if necessary, use firearms in defence of the nation. Okay. So all these people that these... Brigade, This brigade that's coming in are hoping to raise an insurrection with. They're already being whipped up by Castro and Che Guevara.
0: So these are the people that uh, the Americans were presuming would rise up against Castro. Though uh, Mm. Che Guevara is confident enough to tell them to grab a weapon because he thinks they'll defend the revolution.
1: Exactly. Exactly. On the 13th of April, Radio Moscow broadcast an English language newscast predicting the invasion in a plot hatched by the CIA. Cynical. Cynical. Using paid criminals... Within a week, right? Yeah. So it doesn't come out until much, much later that the CIA actually knew about this, but it's happening now. What are you going to do? So right. the Russians know the invasion's coming within a week, which yeah. it is. So the Cubans know. So this surprise landing. Yeah. Not a surprise.
0: Yeah, now this I would say, this is very early in, in Kennedy's uh, presidency. He only came in, yeah, in January. Within the first few first months. Few months. And the thing that Nixon had said to him during the uh, debates is you're not experienced enough or tough enough to deal with the Cuba and the communists. Kennedy's a man with something to prove at this point. Yeah. So it's all resting on this uh, adventure. Although,
1: of course, John, none of this is anything to do with Kennedy or know, the US know, administration. People, none of this is anything yeah, to do with it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. so if so you believe fun. that if you believe that, Angela, deniability. If you John. believe that, Angela, you're more naive than I thought you are.
1: <laughs> so on the 14th of april so this is three days out from the invasion yeah the new york times publishes a story outing the whole thing oh my god like saying we've been training cuban dissidents in in guatemala and they're going to invade cuba So it jfk denies any u.s involvement in a potential invasion yeah just says no 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 no, no. they're they're training themselves they're You know, I can't help what they're doing. Nothing to do with me, Gab.
0: Yeah, his speech is very sort of like, there will be no Americans invading Cuba. Hang on, hang on, no Americans, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So he's very careful what he says for plausible deniability. During that night, 14th to 15th of April, they planned to do a diversionary landing. So a sort of... um, a fake landing to make the Cubans think they're landing somewhere else.
0: Where's that, Andrew? Is it some very difficult to pronounce name? <clears throat> <clears throat>
1: Baracoa Oriente province. Let's ah, say that. Baracoa ba- ba- right. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Um, that They're saying that 164 Cuban exiles uh, commanded by Nino Diaz okay. uh, are going to land there. But the plan is aborted because when they approach, they see lights that indicate Castro's forces were already there. So at every okay. step, Castro's forces seem to be them. ahead of them. Yeah. 15th of April... Important day, right? We're two days out yeah. away from the landing. This is the day of the proposed airstrikes, right? JFK decides at the last minute that sending 16 bombers is too much, right? Oh, and so no. to protect the, here we go again, plausible deniability, as much as possible, it's only going to send eight bombers instead of 16, right? And with a ninth bomber, now this is the clever bit, John. Yeah. What they've planned here is one of the bombers is going to go, look as if it's going to Cuba, right? Yeah. So then it's going to turn around and it's going to go to Miami from Cuba. So it's going to look like it's coming from Cuba into Miami, where it'll request a landing. And the pilot, who is one of the Cuban dissidents, uh, but now using a false name, he's going to say he's a defector. So this can prompt the international community into thinking it's a coup. Then the UN might allow intervention from the States at a later date.
0: I fled Castro. It says here yeah. on my script. Yes, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> that's right. That
0: was the plan anyway.
1: It was foiled a little bit, though, John, when oh, no. one of Castro's air force did defect. Oh, disaster. And what happened was his aircraft looked completely different to the fake defectors, as it turned out. The guns were in the wrong place. The livery was painted slightly differently. So it looked really dodged. So it was something like, really obvious. defectors from yeah. Castro, yet their planes are completely different.
0: But of course, because only half the bombers had been sent in originally, the the airstrikes had nowhere near as much impact. So it absolutely didn't destroy Castro's um, air capabilities. In fact, they succeeded in destroying a load of planes that were mostly out of action anyway.
1: Yeah. And JFK basically
0: changed the whole plan that had been worked on for months. Half the bombers proposed, different location, different time. They should have just said, "I'll tell you what, and we're going to invade Canada." So that exactly. Why it? not? Yeah. Just,
1: I mean, it's just everything at this point. Nothing yeah. is as the original plan stated. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So on the afternoon of the fifteenth, so it's two days out. So this is the airstrikes have happened that morning. Yeah. That afternoon, the Cuban foreign minister goes to uh, the UN General Assembly and accuses the US of aggressive air attacks against Cuba. Right. And that afternoon, he formally tables a motion to the UN General Assembly. right, And the United States ambassador, Adlai Stevenson, he's saying, well, no, US armed forces would not under any conditions intervene in Cuba. That's what JFK said. Mm. The US would do everything in its power to ensure that no US citizens would participate in actions against Cuba. And he also stated that the Cuban defectors had carried out the attacks that day. And, and he presented a photo of the fake defectors plane in the Cuban markings at Miami airport, right? Right,
0: right. So
1: JFK backs him, of course he does. He supports a statement made by Stevenson. He says, I have emphasised before that this was a struggle of Cuban patriots against a Cuban dictator. While we could not be expected to hide our sympathies, we made it repeatedly clear that the armed forces of this country would not intervene in any way, right? Right. And and Stevenson believed that and later was really embarrassed when he realised that the CIA has lied to him and let him go to the UN. And lie. Yeah. Same day, the Cuban National Police starts the process of arresting thousands of anti-revolutionaries in Cuba, detains them uh, in places like the Karl Marx Theatre in Havana, the baseball park. Uh, the in Karl total... Marx Theatre? Yes, <laughs> I know, were, a bit of a giveaway. They,
0: they were desperate um, to get the grant, weren't they? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so between 20 and 100,000 people are rounded up and arrested on that day. We're still right. two days out of the invasion, John.
0: Wow. Right. So JFK then decides... Because well, he's, you know, he's gonna it looks like he's gonna get caught. Uh he decides not to do the second load of airstrikes on the D-Day, doesn't he? And that will reduce the air cover for the landings. Is that yeah, right?
1: Exactly. Well, there's a couple of things going on here. So these anti- revolutionaries that Castro's rounded up, yeah. they're the ones that are likely to be the insurrection that the US yeah. needs. They're all now imprisoned. Yeah. Right? So that chance of that insurrection happening, virtually nil now. Yeah. And then, yeah. JFK says we're, we're not going to send the bombers on D-Day either. Right. So we'll provide a little bit of air cover where the landings are, but we're not going to go and deal with the rest. Of... So Castro's got his air fleet. It's there and he can use it. Yeah, yeah. So they're now going to be under threat from air attack when they land, right? Now, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the military guys, they're just ignored when they express concern. And the CIA feel they can't question the president because plausible deniability. Right. So it just all goes ahead, despite everyone, everyone going, this is a disaster. But
0: they'd sort of know that before they even get going.
1: They just can't stop it at this point. Wow. That night, between the 16th and 17th of April, they'd stage a mock landing near Bahia Honda in the Pinar del Rio province. Very nice. They send a flotilla, right, with equipment yeah. which broadcasts sound effects of a naval invasion landing. Briefly luring Castro away from the Bay of Pigs battlefront. They actually
0: fooled them then. That actually was sort of briefly, Castro thought, oh, they've tricked me.
1: Yeah. That was one of the only things that sort of goes right. that brief moment on that night, they let Castro think that the invasion is happening somewhere else.
0: So D-Day comes along.
1: The Blagar and the Barbara J, the two landing craft infantry, each with a CIA operations officer and an underwater demolition team of five frogmen, Enter the Bay of Pigs.
0: Yeah. And it should be said that these uh, landing craft are not actually very much like landing craft. They're sort of like mm. uh, cobbled together fishing boats and trawlers. And so they're, they're not particularly suited for... Well,
1: the, the LCI's, they arrive on our old World War Two landing craft. Oh,
0: right. But there's a load of people it's turning the up supply, on fishing boats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: The supply ships aren't up to much.
0: Yeah. They've got three landing sites, haven't they? Blue, green mm-hmm. and red beaches. And then the idea is the troops would meet to form a beachhead. Is that right?
1: That's right. So they they land in three sites and they all come together, form a beachhead from where they launch the insurrection. Yeah. Now, when the frogmen come in, right, so they come in first. Yeah. They're shocked to discover that the Red Beach lit with floodlights. Right. The, the Cubans are already there. The Castro's army is already there, which led to another hasty change oh at God. the last minute. Alarm bells ringing any louder yet, John?
0: Yep, yep. No, that's yep. good. So, <laughs> so the US spy planes had done a recce beforehand, mm-hmm. and they'd seen loads of dark patches in the water, and they yes. went, "Oh, that's that's just seaweed. Don't worry about that, a seaweed." Uh, and people there go, "You sure it's seaweed? It could be coral." No, it's definitely no, seaweed. It's seaweed. But look, David Attenborough is making a documentary that's got to be <laughs> coral.
1: No, it's seaweed.
0: Don't worry. You can you can land really easily there. Of course, they go and crash into this coral. Their boats can't get onto the actual beaches.
1: Yeah. So so you've got one of the beaches they can't land on, so they've got to move. Yep. The other one's full of coral, sharp, dangerous coral. Ships yep. run aground. Ding, ding, ding. There goes my alarm bell again. <laughs> right? Yeah. So you've got American supply ships holding supplies for this amphibious force of Cubans, the Brigade 2506, and they're starting to run aground in a coral reef. So landing the equipment becomes, they have to get it across the water. So a lot of it's water damaged, including their radios.
0: Yeah. And right Ray- Now you've got yeah. three
1: separate lots of people trying to get together with no radios.
0: Yeah. Talking of radios, the Bay of Pigs has its own radio station in Cuba, and they're they, they were doing the breakfast show. And it's like, oh, my God, all these people are turning up. So they broadcast that this is going on. So the whole of Cuba hears about it um, as day breaks. It's like, oh, I was just going to do the traffic news and so sort of dedication yeah. to Auntie Jean. But no, I've got to look out the window. The, of, <laughs> the army are turning up. So, yeah, they see this guy struggling to land on the beach. And the U.S. ships are supposed to be heading back into international waters before daybreak. What happens
1: next? So they land. There's a yeah. few... Uh, militia's already in the area. Yeah. Brigade's able to overcome them. There's not that many of them. But before they overcome them, they've got on their radios and informed the Cuban armed forces of what's going on. So Castro's army's on his way. Wake him up at
0: three fifteen in the morning. It's like, oh, what the hell? I was just, <laughs> I just got off to sleep at 3.15. And um, yeah. he goes, well, I sorry to put you in a bad mood, sir, but the... Um, There's been an invasion in the the Bay of Pigs. The Bay of Pigs, that's all swampy. What are they invading there for? We have no (laughs) idea, so it's ridiculous. So he puts all the militia units in the area on the high alert and he orders in the airstrikes. Is
1: that right? He does. That's right. So 6.50 that morning of the 17th, one of the supply vessels gets damaged by bombs and rockets, kills 12 men. The rest of the men tried to get ashore, but they've got no equipment. And the Houston, which is the ship that's bombed, is carrying medical supplies and they've all been destroyed. Ding, ding, ding. Alarm bells again. Now a brigade are landing with no medical supplies. It's not going well. It's not going well. Then the Rio Escondida, which was the biggest supply ship, they had tons of explosives on board tons of aeroplane fuel it was just a big bomb waiting to go off and that's what happens takes a direct hit from one of Castro's bombs it just goes up
0: oh that would have been spectacular oh, see the oh. Amer- Americans have never made a movie about this have they Funny enough, it's not big in American culture, but it'd be a good that would be a scene in the film. That would be oh, in the trailer, that thing going up. The only mention of it in American culture is that Billy Joel song. You know, it's yeah, like Berlin, yeah. Berlin, Bay of Pigs invasion. Yeah, but that's it. Yeah, that's it for yeah. American culture.
1: Funny enough, they don't shout about this much, John. USA, Bay of Pigs. They don't do that.
0: They made a film about the invasion of Grenada. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, but anyway, at this point, CIA instructs the boats to retreat, doesn't it? Leaving the troops. It does, of course. And they head back to international waters. It's like... Yeah,
1: which is what they told... Because they told them to head back in... Yeah. ...while it was uh, still dark. But obviously, they got... You know, it's all going wrong. So they yeah. stay there. And the CIA go, no, you've got to get out back into international waters. Otherwise, you're, we're going to lose our plausible deniability. i
0: completely There's shot. anyone care on yeah
1: Pepe San Ramon was one of the leading group commanders, one of the Cuban um, brigades. He gets on his radio to his CIA handlers saying, please don't desert us. And the CIA are like, oh, no, we're not. we just just... Um, we just forgot our keys, so we're going to go knit nip back for them.
0: My phone charger, um, I've got my phone charger. It's yeah. like, what are you talking we'll about? It's 9.61. There's no yeah. phone chargers. Shut Stop. up.
1: Then by 11 o'clock that morning, Castro makes a statement on Cuba's nationwide network saying that the invaders, members of the exiled Cuban Revolutionary Front, have come to destroy the revolution and take away the dignity and the rights of men.
0: So right. the, the poor dissidents left to hold this beachhead and wait for the... Uh, this uh, overthrow that they've been told their presence will ignite, whilst Castro is running the whole country up to fight them, but they're stuck on the beach. Is that right?
1: Exactly. That's right. So during that night of the 17th, 18th of April, the brigade come under repeated counterattacks from the Cuban army and the militia, air attacks, casualties mount, ammunition is used up, and the brigadistas, they steadily have to give way. Like they, just, mm-hmm. they can't fight what's going on. It's clear by this point, no, this insurrection is not going to happen. Right. Two o'clock that afternoon, Kennedy receives a telegram from Khrushchev in Moscow. Oh, that's nice. Stating the Russians would not allow US to enter Cuba and implies swift nuclear retribution to the US heartland if their warnings were not heeded. So America oh. daren't now. Okay, it's not as nice as in I and thought. And try and fix this. I thought
0: it was nice to get a telegram, but when you read yeah, it, it's like sometimes telegrams aren't nice. Jack. No, okay.
1: <laughs> so they're basically, Khrushchev saying if you go in there now and try and fix this.
0: Right, it's going to be World War Three, mate. an act mate. of war. JFK agrees to send bombers in, doesn't he, with some uh, uh, fighter jet cover. Yeah. But the cover doesn't turn up because of time difference. Another one. they got the, the hour the wrong way. Uh, it's because yeah. they're coming from Nicaragua or something. So the bomber just gets shot down. It's like fairly yeah. basic stuff to make sure it's you're all at the same time.
1: a complete comedy of errors. It's, yeah, yeah, we'll send bombers with fighter jets. We'll sort this out. And then they just fuck that yeah, up. Yeah. The bombers that were then shot down because they didn't have the fighter jet cover that they were promised they weren't brigade 2506 pilots they were actual alabama national air national guards pilots (laughs) they were american pilots now flying a bombing mission over cuba
0: and they got shot down and captured
1: they got shot down and captured they're Bodies okay. paraded as Americans, which they were. The U.S. then denies ordering these American bombers, and they denied it, John, until the 1990s. They said that these were American pilots that had gone rogue.
0: Wow! So these um, poor families of who, the who poor who,
1: families, yeah, who,
0: who, Who's American families of American servicemen who died in over mm. Cuba, they were told that their sons or whatever had yeah. gone rogue and betrayed their orders. In fact, are doing their orders and you know didn't get any sort of yeah. The, the, the rec- well, there was one
1: Captain Thomas Ray. Castro recovered his body. Yeah. Um, They finally returned it to his family in 1979. So getting on for a couple of decades later. And it wasn't until in the 1990s, the CIA awarded him the highest honour of intelligence, the intelligence star, um, which just doesn't seem enough somehow, does it? Like For decades, we've let your family think that you're a a, a rogue, you know, anti-American and all these things and he gave his life gave
0: his life his country and uh, mm. and he was uh, they, they sort of stabbed him in the back uh, yeah. i love the fact that the cia's highest honor is the intelligence star it's like the, the, the lack of intelligence star might be the best thing yeah. but anyway without the air support and they were short of ammunition the brigade the the exiles retreated to the beaches and they were mostly rounded up and captured by castro's forces
1: yep so it's all over it's all over On the 19th of April, two days after D-Day, at least seven Cubans plus two CIA hired US citizens were executed in Pinar del Rio province after a two day trial.
0: And then hundreds Um, of executions took place, didn't they, in response to the invasion. So a lot of people dying here. He kept a load, though, didn't he? Because they're useful to him, these these, uh, people.
1: Yeah, he captured and kept alive uh, for 20 months, approximately... Well, about 1,113 men. Right. Nine of them did die from asphyxiation during their transfer to Havana. They were in an airtight God. truck container, so they died. But there's still, you know, a thousand odd men. And what Castro then did was use them as leverage, right? Because yeah. um, he proposed to exchange. First of all, bless This is hilarious. Him. Actually, I mean, bless I Castro. Yeah. This is so sweet. His, um, his demands weren't much at first. He sort of asked for 500 large farm tractors. And they're
0: going, mate, mate, you can get more than that for them. Yeah. It's like, what, Saturday. 600
1: characters? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so eventually he sort of went, oh, actually, no, I'll have $28 million, please.
0: Yeah. So so then in March, 29th of March, 1962, 1,179 men were put on trial for treason. And yeah. by the 7th of April, so we're like a year on, they were all convicted and sentenced to 30 years in prison. And yeah. on the uh, 14th of April, 60 wounded and six prisoners were freed and transported to the US. But the money, yeah. you know, but then there was they were still a valuable to the US, weren't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. On the 21st of December 1962, so nearly two years later, I suppose, um, Castro and James B. Donovan, who is a US lawyer. Not the singer. Not Jason. No. Call him Um, yellow yellow. Oh, oh, that Donovan. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No. Uh, (laughs) They signed an agreement to exchange these prisoners, but not for the 28 million he originally asked for. By this time, he's upped it um to 53 million dollars in food and medicine. That's and hilarious. this 53 million dollars was sourced from private donations and from companies who then could negotiate tax concessions from the US government. It's a bit for, more than 500 tractors.
0: This. It's a bit more than 500 tractors. Just a little change, bit more yeah.
1: than 500 tractors. So what this does of course the Cuban people's respect for Castro grew not only yeah. John and he's yeah. beating off a US invasion they got fifty-three million dollars out of the imperialist pigs. <laughs> exactly.
0: So it's like suddenly, they the Americans have succeeded in turning Castro into a you know a national hero. They've yep. pushed Cuba further towards the Soviet Union, and Absolutely. they and they've been publicly humiliated on the world stage. Plus, the plausible deniability is completely short. Everyone knows it was it was clearly obvious it was ever the CIA. <laughs> And um, I suppose they thought we should never try to interfere with another country's internal affairs ever again, did they?
1: That's right. And um, US uh, foreign policy has been completely sound ever since. Oh, wait, no, hang on. What actually happened next, of course, the failure of the Bay of Pigs means JFK, who's promised to be tough on communism, remember, that's what he got voted for. He's got to redeem himself, right? He's got to fulfil this promise to be tough on communism. So does that actually drive his policy in Vietnam?
0: And in the course of the Cuban Missile Crisis, which comes in 62.
1: So um, shortly after that invasion ended, Kennedy orders the Pentagon to design secret operations to overthrow the Castro regime. Uh, he p- persuades his brother Robert to set up a covert action against Castro, which known as Operation Mongoose, which included sabotage and assassination plots. So he's not, he's not going, oh, maybe we should leave this. He is full pelt. Yeah. Let's go back. Let's do it again. November 1961, the CIA Inspector General authors a report called the Survey of the Cuban Operation, and it remained classified until 1998. Oh, what did it say? Um, well, it, it basically said the CIA exceeded its capabilities in developing the project from guerrilla support to over-armed action without any plausible deniability. No shit, Sherlock. Basically, it was, it was all of it. it was way outside the CIA's experience and remit you know they in Guatemala they trained up 480 people to mount an insurrection this is a this is an invasion yeah it's a completely different thing yeah you know um failure to realistically assess risks and to adequately communicate information and decisions internally and with other government principles no one was talking to each other no one was saying what they really felt about it insufficient involvement of leaders of the exiles they weren't you know they weren't listened to failure to sufficiently organize internal resistance in Cuba they hadn't riled up the people for this insurrection that they relied on. Yeah, They 100% relied on people coming to support them. Um, Failure to competently collect and analyse intelligence about Cuban forces, poor internal management of communications and staff, insufficient employment of high-quality staff, insufficient Spanish speakers, John. Oh,
0: I didn't know. Who knew that they spoke Spanish in Cuba? I mean, that's, you know, (laughs) you can't expect it.
1: In spite of vigorous objections by CIA management to these findings... The director Alan Dulles, deputy director Charles Cable, and deputy director for plans Richard Bissell, the who, the carpet sweeper guy, uh, they were all <laughs> yes. forced to resign by early 1962. The
0: incredible thing, though, is that after this complete catastrophe <laughs> and cock-up and series of failures, Kennedy's approval rating increased in the first survey after the invasion, rising from like 78% to like 83%. It's like after Suez, like the Tories yeah. won the election, it's just just the mere act of sort of being in crisis and trying to do something. Even though if you well, completely cock it up, it seems to increase popularity. We're seeing
1: that now, aren't we here? We're yeah. seeing that with Boris Johnson now. Yeah. like spends a year fucking up coronavirus and
0: goes, oh, well, plans uh, and a uh,
1: hundred but because he was there leading us through a crisis yeah, as people yeah. say "Go well would you have done any better
0: yeah. yeah I mean the thing the thing I'd say about this is that A. don't start wars and don't invade other people but if you do don't do it with one hand tied behind your back you know don't yeah. halve the number of bombers don't you're not going to get away with pretending it's not you so don't pretend it's not you it's like the Suez crisis when Britain went in and then sort of went in half-heartedly and tried to do it surreptitiously exactly yeah. the same thing no lessons have been learned I
1: mean what they would have been better off doing is somehow sort of provoking something from Cuba to to which would allow them to then evade. Invade, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but they just didn't. But, but
0: don't did. start wars, guys. Are people listening? Yeah. Don't try this at home. Thank you, Angela, Absolutely. for taking us through the Bay of Pigs. It was a fantastic series of absolute disasters based on yep. arrogance, misinformation, and sort and of the
1: USA just assuming they're better than well, everyone also, else. No,
0: but also, <laughs> the Kennedy himself, new president just um coming in and changing plans at the last minute If whenever i've been like on a big project and there's an executive producer who knows nothing about the project they'll come in and say no i think we should do that then that just doesn't work if you do it like that and they come in at the last minute and change it all and it's just yeah, like that you feel
1: you can't and, and because yeah. you're the president
0: yeah people you do don't challenge you. you yeah that's all from this week's we are history
1: don't forget to follow us on twitter at we are history pod
0: angela actually tweeted me and got my twitter handle wrong I did today. today
1: i put the wrong john O'Farrell. fantastic <laughs> oh damn it
0: we'll be back next week with another gripping episode of we are history so thanks for your nice comments which we uh, enjoy reading and we really uh, and we'll catch you next week
1: bye